I originally started out using one peptide. What I saw was the collagen modeling on a lot of people that had hair loss and the skin aspect was being ignored. And I said, I thought to myself, there's something here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try to see if I can treat it. listening to How I Scaled My Aesthetic Clinic, the podcast where the most high-performing owners of aesthetic clinics and med spas from all over the world tell their stories and share the strategies and insights that allowed them to grow their business from often humble beginnings to soaring success. If you've ever tried to build a clinic, you'll know that it takes a lot more than just being a great doctor or practitioner, and it helps when you learn from the best in the industry. So join me, Miriam Shaviv, host and director of content at Brainstorm Digital, as we explore how aesthetic clinic owners just like you have developed the mindset, skills, and experience to transform their businesses and how you can do the same. Let's jump in. Hair loss is a fast growing market. So how can aesthetic clinics and med spas make the most of this opportunity? Misty Barnes has found a way. She's founder of Ideal Skin Clinic, a California clinic specializing in non-invasive plant-derived solutions for wrinkles, sagging skin, acne, scars, and pigmentation. And she takes the same approach to hair restoration. Misty has developed a unique treatment that uses plant-derived growth factors to help with hair growth without drugs, surgery, or injections. Her Celestrious Hair Follicle Rejuvenation Protocol is now being taught to medical professionals across the United States. What makes this story even more gripping is that Misty didn't even enter aesthetics until her 40s. Her background was in marketing and writing. So how did she get into this area? What were the challenges? And how did she manage to create a truly unique clinic serving a unique market and launch a unique product? That's what we're going to explore today. Misty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely my pleasure. Now, you've been on quite a journey. Some parts of it, lots of our listeners will have been on as well. For example, you've been, um, you, you know, you've been a, a provider, you've been a clinic owner, you are a clinic owner. Um, and then you've gone one step further, which many people haven't done, which is you've developed your own treatment, your own product, which you're now marketing. So you're um, an entrepreneur as well. Um, mm-hmm. How do those three identities um, sit with you? How do you actually think of yourself? <laughs> I do think of myself as as an entrepreneur, business owner, um, and I think that they they dovetail quite nicely, actually. Because as you as long as you have a business, you realize that um, no one's really responsible for the business but you, and no one cares about it in the way that you do. And that's really kind of the entrepreneurial spirit as well. It's that you have something that you want to share with others, and you have to be at the helm. You have to sort of be in control of where, where the future of the product or whatever it is, the service that you're offering. So for me, um, it's interesting, it's dynamic and there's never, you know, boring day, boring days don't really exist when you have your own business. So. Yeah. Cause I guess that owning, owning, owning a clinic, you're really an entrepreneur in that role as well. And I think that one of the things is that many clinic owners don't actually think about themselves in that way. And that can sometimes be an obstacle really to growing your, your business. Would you agree? Yes. Good point. Yes. I mean, I've always thought of myself as an entrepreneur, even as a kid, I was that type of kid that always just said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And here's how I'm going to do it. And can I make a little money at it? <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm um, laughing because my, my 12 year old daughter has literally today just started her own cake baking business. So I think some, some people just have it or they don't. Right. <laughs> that's great. That's fantastic. It teaches you a lot, a lot. I remember I, you, you might not use this, but I just remember as a kid, I love to write. So, and I'm still a writer. I, that's my, dark secret, you know, this is why I do what I do so I can keep that up. But I remember just writing these plays and getting kids in the neighborhood to be in my plays. And I would bribe them by giving them like candy to play a certain role. And I'd write the, this, the plays and try to charge the parents to come for it. <laughs> I charge the parents like a dollar and they'd actually pay it. And I was, so I thought, wow, this is fantastic. Maybe I can make a living doing this. 
<laughs> so you were always interested in the business side. Yes, then, always. Then, so then tell me a little bit about your background. How did you end up, at the beginning, you were very much not on the business side. So tell, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and, and how did you really get into, into, into health and beauty? So I uh, grew up in Southern California. I've lived in different states, but Southern California has always been my home. And I actually um, graduated with an a undergraduate degree in, in business and marketing from uh, Pepperdine University here in the U.S. Um, and so out of school, I was involved in a, a completely line, different line of work. I started out in licensing and then I moved into production for live events. So I worked in the live event uh, and production for studios for 20 years. And then I started moving into digital media at a time when digital media was more, how do we build a website? How do we build, um, you know, flash sites? So it was older, but I, I did business development. I started out um, on the business development side. So I'd have to go out and get clients and, you know, make cold calls. And that actually served me well as I started this business. But I've had a couple incantations as business owner, as a business owner. I once had a business where I wrote murder mysteries on ships in Seattle. And, you know, honestly, I never, I, I, I always had a hard time figuring out profitability. So that was always a struggle for me. How do I actually make a profit off of what I'm doing? And I mean, 20 years ago, I made a feature film that I wrote and directed and I had to show time. So the creative part of me has always been what has driven my desire for, um, business. It's been to support the creative aspect of my life, but business is equally creative. And I find that I'm always seeking out the next thing. So after I got into a position, quite frankly, I hit 40 and in, <clears throat> in digital media, that's, you're just put out to pasture basically. So I said, well, wait a minute, I've got to reinvent myself. I've got to create something new. And I knew that the beauty cosmetic industry was a multi-billion dollar industry. And I said, well, it's something I enjoy. I know I can be good at it. I just need to apply myself. So after having years, you know, spending years in business development and production, I just said, all right, this is what I've got to do. I went back and got my aesthetics license. I got a license in trichology later on, but I first started out in aesthetics and realized I was completely very bored by just doing aesthetics. I wanted, uh, I love to be learning and I love to be in the room. Actually, I started working with a cosmetic surgeon and I wanted to be in the room with him. And the girls up front were always annoyed because I was like, can I go with doctor? Can I go with the doctor? I just wanted to see what was going on under the hood. And so uh, aesthetics in terms of cosmetic aesthetics and what was going on uh, medically, was really interesting. During that time, I also started, um, you know, just kind of listening to the clients that I had. And a lot of them uh, started coming to me because I was really good at dealing with things like acne scars. What had happened is while I was working for this doctor is I started taking courses with one of the developers of microneedling. She came out from uh, the Grossman Burn Center, which is a very well-known center out here in Sherman Oaks. And she started training people in a microneedling technique that, that handles uh, post-wound care. So it's scar revision and hand, um, basically um, treating scars after fourth degree burns and so and i think actually by the way i think that's yeah. that, that i think that's um where microneedling actually comes from because yeah. i actually once wrote a whole piece about this for one of our clients and that that's actually how they discovered the aesthetic applications because it was actually originally a wound treatment it was yes at the burn center and in fact this woman that trained me her name is susan church she actually was one of the developers of it and i have one of her uh, papers her theory papers and for whatever reason another doctor took got the credit for developing it which has been a you know kind of a source of i guess a, a source of contention for many but nonetheless this was in the late 80s they started seeing wow if you can use the if you can be re-triggering that wound growth response within the skin after a third degree burn has healed to a certain extent, we can regenerate collagen, heal the collagen matrix, completely remodel it, and also, um, you know, many other applications. So after I trained with her, I started using that version of microneedling, which is, by the way, not using an off-the-shelf pen like an Eclipse pen. It's a different approach to microneedling. It's the original approach. And um, I started using that on acne scar patients. Scars that were uh, very different in size and shape and depth 
they need a different type of approach. There's not a one size fits all and one machine can't handle it. But I was working at the same time with a surgeon who was using a lot of lasers for scar revision. And I just, I honestly just didn't see the benefit. I, I found that the lasers were too harsh. A third degree flash burn does not make for the best healing. So people were coming back with um, even worse hypopigmentation, hyperpigmentation. So I started again, just developing new ways to treat those scars and the hypopigmentation. I don't know if you want me to stop there, but uh, um, so there, I also just had a lot of female patients that were coming in and I was using different techniques for anti-aging using GHK peptide, which is um, known for wound healing. It was developed by Lauren Pickert, who won a Nobel Prize for his work in using GHK. Incidentally, he's kind of one of my mentors. Uh, so I was using the peptides in the skin, and then a lot of these women were saying, you know, I'm menopausal, postmenopausal, postpartum, I'm losing my hair. And so I said, well, I've got to see what I can do to help. So that really led me down the journey of, of looking at hair restoration. And I started noticing that a lot of allopathic, traditional allopathic approaches to hair loss completely ignores the scalp condition. Even a dermatologist will look at the scalp just to identify if there's a dermatitis issue, but they're not really looking at how that matrix, how the follicle, how the dermal papilla layer, all of these aspects of, of hair loss are deeply connected. And that scarring and fibrosis and calcification that's occurring on the scalp is massively just ignored. So I just kept doing research and learning what I could. Um, eventually I was asked to, I was just sharing my results on Instagram and, and with people and they would share it with someone else. And then I'd get more clients come in and that's when I got my license and Trichology. So, so this, this wasn't something that the doctor that you were working with was doing. This became your area and your expertise, yes. all right? Yes, yes. And, and uh, you, you know, it, he wanted more lasers. He wanted me to sell more lasers, which I could, but I did feel at one point that it wasn't the oh, best really? service for the patients, yeah. So then I went out on my own. And uh, So is that I how started, you set up your own clinic? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's when I set up my own clinic. So was tell, tell, tell me a little bit about the clinic because um, it looks like you really specialized, that you really took to heart the fact that some people really want more natural, um, you know, more natural treatments. Is that really what it's all about? Yeah, it's non-invasive. It's non-invasive aesthetics. Um, frankly, before I, delve, I, I dove completely into it, I was part of a couple of think tanks, one at Pepperdine uh, Master's Program and then one at Cal Lutheran here, where they take certain businesses, they're like E2B business, where they look at certain businesses and help you kind of define your market. And some of the feedback was really wonderful and it helped me lock into the non-invasive aesthetic market. And this was about five years ago. I did another one about two years ago for the hair, Celestrius. Uh, but so what I saw so, so, so right from the beginning, uh, and I think this is very, very important because I think that this is something that many clinic owners do retroactively, if at all, and that is define their market and, uh, and, and, dif and how they're going to differentiate themselves very, very carefully. But it sounds like for you, that was a real process that you went through right before you even set up. Yes, because I knew that, you know, uh, if you don't know your audience, I mean, that's just like a basic marketing concept, right? If you don't know who your audience is, you don't know who your target is, good luck, especially when there's so much noise online today. Uh, so it, I did. It is a basic marketing concept, but I think that that's where your um, business and marketing background was coming into play because I think that most people, most clinic owners, you know, that, that's something that they only realized belatedly, like I said, if at all. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's usually ready, fire, aim, right? Um, so I've, I've learned that just by life, you know, just really understanding that, you, you know, you may have the greatest product or the greatest service in the world, but if there's no one there to receive it or you don't know how to reach them, it doesn't do you any good, right? It's the, um, the old adage, you know, if, if you can talk all you want, but if nobody's listening. So, so what I did was I basically, I always really believe in a business plan. So I put a business plan together always, even if it's imperfect, you know, um, a lot of people think, well, I have to do it. I have to pay for a professional, but I just knowing your market, knowing generally what you're going to charge, knowing the ge geography and the, you know, some of the demographics and psychographics of the person, the person that you're trying to reach and then identifying what makes you unique and different. So you're, you know, 
your benefits. So otherwise, uh, really the benefits of coming to you as a practitioner. So I just did some of that work and then I sought out opportunities to refine it. So, you know, I found out that locally, like I said, Cal Lutheran, which is a university here, was offering um, kind of a think tank. I got, I joined in on that and the same thing at Pepperdine and just pursued that. So I, I sort of was dogged in the determination that if I was going to go after a market, which is in this instant instance, skin at the time, um, I, st I still needed to know what made me different. So um, at the time that I started doing the, the skin, the acne scar revision, I also uh, got a license in medical micropigmentation. So I was treating women that had um, post-surgical scarring. So it could be from a mastectomy. So we were rebuilding the areola with pigmentation. We were also, I was also using it for some scars on the body, post-life lift, um, and just general keloids. Uh, and, and so I realized though that I had to expand my offering, right? Because there's only so many people that have surgery and that know about you, right? And I'm in a small kind of community out here in California uh, called Westlake Village. So I just kept expanding and look at, looking at the next opportunity, but always being kind of guided by a mission. And my mission was after looking at the numbers, after looking at the opportunities, I started seeing that there were less and less people that wanted to undergo surgery unnecessarily. So during this, this think tank, if you will, one of the feed things that I got back from people was that in, in non-invasive aesthetics were really kind of a trigger word for people. So I kind of latched onto that and have, it's had several incantations, but in, in general, my approach is that we wanna keep you away from surgery as much as possible. Some people will want it, but not all people do. And most, once you're down the path of surgery, you're down the path, right? So <clears throat> with that in mind, I, you know, I just started targeting uh, those people that would respond to that message of non- How did you find them? So where did your first patients come from? So the first patients came from word of mouth and literally me just walking into uh, spas with my card, you know, cold calling. That's where it came back. I, I really had to just pick up the phone and introduce myself to people, offer specials. And then, you know, I obviously had a website. A website's key, but, you know, unless you have traffic to your website, it, the beautiful website means nothing. So I had to just get out there, offer free, you know, services or highly discounted services. And then I did the the, the Groupon thing and wanted to shoot myself like 10 minutes after I did it. Why did I do that? But um, I learned that one fast, you know, and then I, and then I hired, you know, I hired individuals, um, a few social media people that kind of ended up being flaky, to be honest. And then I hired a few marketing companies um, that helped me define the market even further. I did some Facebook ads and um, now I've kind of moved over into Google AdWords. I also, um, you know, just did local networking, went to events. I didn't find those to be as nearly as powerful. You need a bigger message and one person can only go so far. And in, in your, you, you, you keep on talking about defining the audience, but in the, the digital marketing that you were doing, um, uh -huh. did you actually manage to convey how unique your approach was? How, how did that come across? Are you talking about in digital marketing or are you talking now in this business? I'm assuming this business, right? Yeah, no, no. In, in digital marketing when you, when you, you know, with your clinic. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, I think I'm still working on it, to be frank with you. Um, but, but I think, you know, I definitely first started out giving a lot of features to people and, and, they don't, and then realizing they don't really care. <laughs> so, you know, now going, you know... It, I think my site can always be improved, you know, but the reality is that what people want is they want to look better. They want to do it as non, I believe as non-invasively as possible. They don't want a lot of downtime and they don't want to spend a lot of money and they don't want to look like they've had work done. That's the biggest concern. So I address those things, you know, no downtime, specifically when I'm talking now hair, no downtime, no surgery, no labs, no concern for cross-contamination. No one's going to know you had the treatment and I'm making it reasonably priced so that you'll continue with the protocol because specifically with microneedling, now I'm going back to the skin side. Um, we've gotten used to as a society, just go in and get fillers or go in and get a thread lift or go in and get XYZ. 
well, with microneedling and these other things that are using collagen's natural, your natural ability to rebuild collagen, it takes time. It takes, you know, six treatments over six months to do it the right way. And most people want it faster. So it's also about re-educating or educating the patient. So I, you know, I also make that a part of my consultation, but in general, in terms of benefits, it's like, look beautiful, do it faster, save yourself some money, don't have to do surgery, um, you know, and make it easy for yourself. Well, what's the patient profile who's really interested in that? I mean, the truth is, I think that those themes, you know, you, you do, we work with clinics all over the world, and those are themes that you hear again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what kind of patient profile is attracted to it at your clinic? So I'm, gonna, <clears throat> I'm going to break it down into two because I have the skin clinic and then the hair clinic. So it's a different profile, but when it comes to skin, it's definitely women probably late 30s and above, um, you know, higher income. They've probably tried, they probably still do fillers. They do Botox. I don't ever discourage that. But when it comes to quality texture and um, the natural preserving of the skin, a non-invasive way is definitely a better way to go. Now, I'm more aggressive than say a facial. So I'm not a facialist. I'm, we're doing, we're using microneedling to create a wound in the skin <clears throat> to trigger that um, wound growth response. And then we're, I'm using peptides, which are naturally occurring proteins to help penetrate. So it's a little more invasive, but it's not quite medical. But um, so the, the kind of person that would want that is someone that's probably, they're probably doing many things. They're not just in one arena and it's not just, you know, a total, n- person who's never done anything. They usually have a lot of, they're educated about what's going on in the world of beauty. They're, you know, very vocal about what they want and they want results. So, you know, upper income, probably females 35 and above, but I I do have males as well. When it comes to things like the acne scar revision, that's all ages, but I find it skews younger because I'll have kids, you know, kids, but you know, people in their twenties, early twenties, that have had bad scarring and they've tried lasers, they've tried all kinds of things and it, and it hasn't worked for them. That profile generally comes, they're sort of the secondary uh, market. The primary is usually a parent that's saying, I'm concerned about my kid. And maybe that's just my, my area, you know what I mean? The, the, the geography where I am, but it's usually a mother saying, I'm concerned my daughter has Even scarring. when the kids are in their 20s. Absolutely. absolutely. Still the parent absolutely. pushing it. Absolutely. On the hair side, it's the same as well. I mean, I had a patient I saw yesterday. He's 25. His father sat with him during the whole procedure. So it's, it's definitely, it's shifted, and I see that. And, and, and on the hair side, um, I, it's cross-sectional. All ages, all ethnicities, both sexes. Okay, well, we'll, we'll get to the hair side, and I promise, in okay. one second. First of all, I have one, question, one more question about the skin side. Um, you yes. talked really about how you differentiated and how you, know, how you built that up. Um, what's, the, what's the biggest mistake that you made in building up that, that side? What was one thing you would do differently now? Oh, great question. I, oh, you know, I always think I can do things better, perfectionist. But uh, I think probably expanding my services earlier and, and um, creating co-partnerships that now I have and recognizing that sooner. You know, when I, I, I wanted to specialize, right. And I think it's very important to specialize, but I also think you have to build your business up and then you can specialize. Right. So I think I dug my heels in a little bit about, I want to be the best at this one thing. And then recognizing the market was saying, no, you, you have to be very good, but you have to be very good at many things. Right. Uh, so I think to over specialize, isn't it? It is. It is. And I think that I did. And I think that shortened my market, right? Because think about how many people actually have had breast cancer. It's a large number, but in a location where I'm at, the numbers aren't that high, right? So I, I should have probably listened to the research a little bit better um, and maybe form those partnerships more quickly than I did. But I just... Uh, and and the, the other thing is that once people come in, you want to have something else to sell them, which is another reason to have more, more treatments and more services. So tell me very quickly about what kind of partnerships are you talking about? Uh, well, now, I, and, and now, and this is on the hair side, is partnerships with medical doctors, partnerships with med spas, partnerships with uh, 
um, medical communities, uh, regenerative medicine, uh, trade, trade events, just really getting out there and, and forming those partnerships and, you know, sales reps, obviously that's a big one now that I, I, I have a few sales reps across the country before I didn't have that, but it wasn't really applicable on the skin side at that point. Um, so now I, you know, I've moved the train. I do, I offer trainings. Uh, that was another thing I thought about. Why, did I want to offer trainings for the skin scarring? But then I thought, well, you know, yes, I want to do it, but am I ready? And so sometimes it's that, you know, not feeling ready enough. And then you realize I'm actually really ready. I'm overanalyzing. <laughs> so that was another one of those I could do better. But um, yeah, so I mean, partnerships with other, uh, and then also partnerships in terms of offering other skill sets, right? So people who can do fillers, people who are going to be doing the Botox and uh, forming those partnerships as well with other uh, technicians and, and practitioners. So making sure that you could offer a fuller service, because it sounds like at one stage, many of your patients were going to someone else really for yep. parts of what they wanted for their, for their skin and for their injectables. Um, so why not formalize that in a way, I guess? Yes. And, you know, you also have to work within your scope, right? So it's not within my scope to be doing fillers uh, in the state of California. It's, it's a little different than in other states, but uh, I, I certainly didn't want to step outside my scope and do anything that was, you know, inappropriate. Uh, but finding those partners that have a, a mindset that you share, that you can trust and, and develop relationships with is, takes time. How did you find them? Uh, I, I did, ultimately, I did so by being involved in organizations. So one organization that I'm involved with now is called uh, Boston BioLife Regenerative Medicine. And through the last couple of years, they've asked me to speak on some of my research and development I've done in, in terms of growth factors with hair rejuvenation. And through that, I just developed a relationship with the, the head of that organization, and they'll introduce me to other people. So it's that networking and marketing, but, uh, you know, more B2B versus B2C. So that's another pivot I had to make because I had to get, you know, I have to wear like four hats, you know, more than four, but, you know, really thinking less, moving from just the consumer side to business partnerships. And, and, and that's a different mindset and it's a different approach completely. Okay. So we are now going to dive into the hair. Um, but what I, th what I think we can do, is we'll take a very, very quick break. And then when we come back, we'll discuss the hair side of your business. Fantastic. Okay. We'll be back in a second. Okay. Hey, it's Miriam here again. During this break, I have a quick question for you. Could you use some more Threadlifts patients? How about some more body sculpting patients? If the answer to either of those questions is yes, then we have two campaigns you can implement right now to generate new inquiries and bookings. The Threadless campaign is based on one we've run extremely successfully for three aesthetic clinics in Honolulu, LA, and London. So it's tried and tested on two continents and we've been refining and optimizing it ever since. But don't take my word for it. We've got a case study explaining exactly how the Threadless campaign works to bring in new patients and the kind of results it's generated. I've put the link in the show notes. Just head down there right now to grab your copy. And if you'd like to discuss how it can work for your clinic, my email address is in that document as well. We're also running a case study group right now for clinics that want to attract more body sculpting and skin tightening patients. We'll be working with you very closely to generate immediate appointments, both from new leads and from your existing patient list, and to create a body sculpting sales funnel that can bring in more high value appointments long-term. To find out more about how it works, email me at miriam at brainstorm-digital.co.uk. That's miriam at brainstorm-digital.co.uk. And I'll send you the details right now. Now let's get back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Misty Barnes on how I scaled my aesthetic clinic. Um, and we're going to talk now about a different side of your, of your business, which is the hair side, where you have both treating patients, but you've also developed your own product. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So tell me a little bit, how did you, how did you develop this product? Where did that come from? Tell us a little bit, first of all, what it is. 
Oh, okay. So the product line is called Celestrious Hair Rejuvenation, and it's a non-invasive uh, peptide and microneedling-based protocol for hair loss. And it works on all ethnicities, all types of hair loss, but it's a complete comprehensive program that combines an in-office treatment as well as a home treatment and some supplementation. So what happened for me was, again, earlier I shared about how I was treating people with skin issues and then started seeing uh, problems with the hair. Um, I originally started out using one peptide to, what I saw was the collagen modeling on a lot of people that had hair loss and the skin aspect was being ignored. And I said, I thought to myself, there's something here. I don't know what it is but I want to try to see if I can treat it. So I used the microneedling device and this, no one was doing this. This is like four and a half years ago. I started using the microneedling device with a peptide on the scalp directly to see. And I, and I, you know, I obviously told people what I was doing, that it was a little experimental and got releases and all that. But um, I started seeing growth. I started seeing a re-triggering the follicle. And then that led me down the path um, of really studying the anatomy of hair and the physiology of what, what actually occurs within the body and the follicle itself and that organ of the hair. So the protocol again is, is celestrious. And what, what happens is a person comes in every four weeks. I do the in-office treatment. It takes about an hour. I use a microneedling device. I, I numb them with a lidocaine. So it's a very painless procedure. It's, it can be about on a scale of one to 10, it gets to be about a four at the most in terms of discomfort. And I'm basically using the peptides, a proprietary blend of peptides to regenerate the follicles and, and it's targeting DHT, it's targeting cell proliferation, it's targeting the dermal papilla layer. It's, it's really, we're throwing the kitchen sink at whatever's going on with the hair. And then at home, they're doing a version of this protocol. It's the consumer home kit, which I sell as well. So just to explain a little bit about that, when I was originally in my R&D phase, I wanted it to be where they would just come into the office, get the treatment and be done. But that goes back to me like thinking a little bit bigger. And I realized that we need to be triggering some type of ATP energy, recreating angiogenesis on a consistent basis. And I only learned this through trial and error. That's when I developed the kit, the home kit. So the long and short of it is I had started doing these treatments um, and I started buying product from a, a lab here in California. The owner of the lab saw the work that I had done and said, what is it you're doing? you're using our products, but you're getting better results than any of the doctors that are doing this. And I said, I think it's my technique and my protocol because I've developed it. And then they basically asked me if they could have my photos for their, for their business. And I said, yeah, no, you can't. I think I have a business here. So again, this was a few years ago. At that time I was using, I had moved from peptides to bone marrow aspirate. And bone marrow aspirate's very, very different. It's a specific way to approach the hair loss, but I won't go in the weeds on that, but ultimately what ended up happening is I started having questions about the lab and what I was actually getting. And I couldn't afford to do a spectrometer test, which is where they test the actual ingredients. So I just went out, started my cold calling way and tried to reach out to a bunch of chemists. And I did, and there's some organizations called the Cosmetic Chemist. Um, and I just kept calling until I found someone. I said, you know, I want to know what I'm actually using. I can't, you know, I can't ethically not know what's actually in the product I'm using. So this chemist- this is a very, very different area you're suddenly getting into. <laughs> yeah. no, very yeah. intimidating, you know, you yeah. came from this marketing background and suddenly you're developing, you know, your own product with this whole new world to discover. How did you kind of deal, how did you deal with that? Uh, you know, some days you just break down and cry and go, what am I doing? <laughs> no, I just, it is very intimidating because you're dealing with doctors and you're dealing with scientists and they have, you know, let's be honest, they, there's a lot of ego. So, uh, you know, I just kept plugging away and I got the door slammed on me all the time or I got told, you know, sorry, I can't help you. Um, but I, I knew that I had something, you know, and I could see, honestly, this sounds so cliche, but I really could see that my patients or clients at the time, because I had to call them clients, um, were really getting results. And I was like, well, this is what drives me. This, I can't let this scientist or this lab telling me I can't do this stop me. But it was very difficult. And I will tell you that, um, and I'm the last person to pull this, but it's male dominated. So there was 
you know, hurdles I had to overcome a lot. Uh, but who, who are you? Where did you come from? You don't even, you're not in this, you're not a scientist. And it intimidated me for a while, but I'll tell you what, when I started speaking at some of these events with medical doctors, I mean, neurosurgeons were at these events and I was terrified. They were the loveliest people. They were just like, keep going, keep doing, you're an entrepreneur, keep doing what you're doing. We want to hear more. And it turns out that I was always kind of on the cusp of what was coming up next. Uh, and I didn't know why, but I just knew I kept digging. So it was a process of just constant discovery. And then uh, ultimately, I met up with a biochemist who has a background in hair science. He has 40 hair patents. And he came from L'Oreal and Aveda. And I got him on the phone. And I said to him, can I pay you? Will you help me? And he said, you can't afford me. <laughs> and I said, he said, what you're offering is about one fortieth of what I make an hour, but I kind of like your attitude and I like what, what you're trying to do. I appreciate it. And you're obviously passionate. So he worked with me and I together, it. it's a beautiful story, isn't it? It's a great, he's a, he was a great, he is a great guy. And, um, but he basically put me on the path to get this proprietary serum. He basically put it together for me and I paid him obviously. And then, uh, introduced me to the lab. And then, you know, I, I basically kept formulating and I'd meet with manufacturers and I'd talk to them and it was so over my head because this is called trans, um, transient uh, plant-based peptides. It's a, there's a lot of science and, and chemistry involved here and it's still way over my head. But at the same time, you know, when you have the right people in the room that can speak the language and they know what you're motivated by. My motivation is to help people that have hair loss. So, uh, so what, got, what was the biggest lesson that you learned throughout this whole process? You know, if there are other clinic owners who do have some kind of idea for, mm -hmm. for, for, the, for you know, a really revolutionary product like this that they, can, that, they, that they really want to develop, what's your biggest piece of advice that you learned through this whole process? I think be, be organized in your approach, have a plan, Obviously, and everybody says it, don't give up. I just, I just have that mentality that, you know, I, you know, get told no, and then I'll go into my corner and sulk for a few hours. And then it motivates me to get back out there. Um, there were many times in this process when I really did want to quit. And my, my, my boyfriend partner said, you know, you can't quit. You really have something that helps people. You've got to keep going. So there were definitely times when I didn't want to continue, but that motivation was, you know what, I'm actually creating something that really helps people. Um, so I think, yeah. And I think having, obviously having good people, you can't, I can't do this alone. So I have to have good people in my corner and I try to vet them carefully. So once you developed it, you then had, obviously you're using it with your own patients. Um, but then you had the challenge of, selling it i assume to other into other clinics which is a whole different challenge so how did you approach that it's a, it's a very very different mindset right that's where the organization and really understanding sales and marketing comes in because you know i'm dealing with doctors and i still i do i do try to do 20 cold calls a day you know and i get hung up on all the time and i have to you know okay i've got something for you but what i what I kind of latch onto and have latched onto is the fact that in the hair loss industry, there are only three options. There's an allopathic medication, which a lot of times has many side effects. There's surgery, which we know um, sometimes the benefits of surgery and the downsides of surgery, and not everybody wants it or can afford it. Or three, things like PRP and exosomes. Those things are very, honestly, I haven't seen them be that effective and they're, and they're expensive. Most people can't afford exosomes or PRP. I actually was just on a panel with one of the creators of, with top surgeons in hair and one of the creators of the exosomes and they're, they're positioning exosomes now for hair loss, but I still haven't seen the results. I will put my results up against PRP any day of the week. See my patients and my treatments versus PRP. I have no problem putting them up because I know what I'm doing is I'm targeting the follicle. I'm targeting the trigger. I'm also looking at the body as a whole. So when I could get on the phone and talk to a doctor and it took time, obviously, but when I could get on the phone with them and have a conversation where I knew, I knew what I was talking about and I could dialogue with them and I could explain to them why what I was doing was so targeted and why it worked, then I knew that I had something. That, the genesis of that came about after um, being involved in some of these 
organizations and seeing that all these doctors wanted to help their patients that had hair loss and they were starting to get a little wary of all the promises that surgery and allopathic approaches. And I came in at a time when, or I, I mean, I'm still working on it obviously, but we're starting to look at hair loss, which we should as a symptom, not a diagnosis. I tell that to patients every day. This is a symptom. It is not a diagnosis. There is something else going on in your body. And my job is to help you find out what it is. We do that with a comprehensive plan. So when I could articulate that to a doctor and get them to understand, wow, we've been looking at it the wrong way. Look, we've had hair loss drugs for 70 years. If they were all working, You know, if surgery is always working, we wouldn't have this need. So, uh, and one thing I'm hearing again and again is that demand for hair loss treatment is, has gone up since Corona, both absolutely. because um, people, for some reason, seem to be losing their hair more if they've had Corona, and also just because of the stress of this whole crazy situation. Is that something that you're seeing as well? Oh, absolutely, and and in all ages too. So it's not just older. It's it's the it's the stress. You know, the main causes there's always a psychological or physiological trigger that puts the hair into a state of uh, nutritional deficiency, which can lead to, you know, over accumulation of DHT or for whatever's, whatever reason, but there's always a trigger, right? And then the cascade occurs. My, so do do, do you think that this whole, this last year with Corona, do you think that has changed the industry's attitude to hair loss and hair loss treatments? And how how do you see that changing? (laughs) That's a fantastic question, and I and I do see that it's changed, um, primarily because telemedicine has become a big deal. A lot of people aren't going into the office. Um, involve so much lab work. It doesn't involve a phlebotomist. It doesn't involve the the consideration for cross the concern of cross contamination. So that's what I've created is something that's an easy thing the doctor can do. It's all disposable, come into the treatment, throw everything away, and then the next treatment is disposable. So it's, it makes it easy for them to do it. I also made this so that um, in some states an esthetician can do the treatment, but certainly mid-level um, RNs, uh, technicians can do this treatment so the doctor doesn't have to be the one doing the treatment. He doesn't have to be in the room. So do you think this is an area that lots of clinics and med spas really should be developing? I mean, I'm assuming your answer is yes. <laughs> um, absolutely what, what, not. Yeah. No, absolutely. Why, 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 why do you think that, um, you know, that, that, that it's still kind of a minor thing for many clinics and, you know, why, why do you think that is? Well, I think that's because, well, from a marketing perspective, I think a lot of clinics started focusing on uh, fillers, Botox, lasers, and those things became commoditized. And once things are commodity, then I'm just going, how much are you going to charge me for my Botox? It's not really, you're not, it goes back to that feature benefit. This is a feature. It's not a benefit, right? So what, what I saw is a lot of clinics jump on a bandwagon, right? We're all susceptible to trends and fads, but there's a clear demand and there always has been a clear demand for hair loss. But I think that most people w- would not have in the past gone to a med spa for the things that they do now. Right. So, so now people would only go to a der- in the past, people would only go to a dermatologist for hair loss or for skin condition. And now they're starting to go, maybe I can talk to someone at the med spa there about it. Now the ramifications of that, I don't have any comment on, but I will tell you that doctors, even on the, in the functional medicine and the regenerative medicine, uh, allopathic medicine are starting to realize that there's a market there. And if my goal is to also educate them to understand that this isn't just a cosmetic issue. This is a, a systemic problem. This is a chronic inflammation problem. It's a chronic systemic problem. And, and we have to deal it from the inside out and not just give someone a pill. And the patients, I'm assuming they respond to that. Do they like that messaging? Yeah. They like is that something that comforts them or something that they that intimidates them? Um, I think it comforts them because it's again, it's in the approach that I tell you know it's in the approach and the understanding that I have the knowledge that I have and I've built it through learning and and trial. But it's also that you know I will I'll just be frank with you. I see people every day that say they've been to a dermatologist about their hair and no one touched them. 
they weren't even touched. They didn't even look at their hair or their scalp. And that's the first thing I do is look at the scalp to see the condition. So I think that people are starting to feel more and more isolated from their provider. So they want to feel that they have someone that's kind of in their corner. And, you know, for me personally, my messaging is, is it's a very complex problem. It's not going to get solved overnight. I promise you that if you're not responding and what the appropriate amount of time is, I'm not going to continue to see you anymore. I'm going to let you go as a patient because that doesn't serve me or you. So let me just ask you very quickly. You said that one of the one of the complaints was people, you know, the, the, no one's touching their scalp. But, yeah. but then, on the other hand, at the moment with coronavirus, presumably the other thing you said was that you're doing a lot more of this through telemedicine. So how do those two really combine? How do you do this well through telemedicine? Well, you know, I think and. That's a good question. I don't, I don't really know the answer. I mean, I think I've had, I have people, if I'm doing telemedicine with them or if they're, you know, out reaching out to me, I'll get a photograph and, you know, I'll have them send a photograph so I can see them or I'll do a FaceTime with them. And I can generally see what's actually happening on the scalp. If we can set the camera up properly, I can see if there's inflammation. Um, but when they come into my office, I'm gloved obviously. And, uh, uh, you know, COVID compliant, but I can still touch the scalp and see what's happening. And I find a lot of times it's inflammatory. And then I ask them questions, you know, what, what's actually happening with their body? Are they on medication? You know, do they have any known disorders? We have to know their medical history. And I find that a lot of times people will come out of a, an appointment with someone that's supposed to know about hair and no one's asked them, what is your diet like? What are your stressors? Has anything happened to you recently? Have you been on medication? What are you on? So it's a comprehensive approach. Uh, and I think doctors are starting to realize I can't isolate the hair from the gut and the microbiome. It's got to be a whole person approach. It's not going to fit for every doctor though, clearly. Who do you think it doesn't fit? I think, frankly, uh, a doctor who wants to go straight to surgery. So a surgeon, it, it can work. Let me back up. This, the goal of what I've created is that it can work with other, uh, it can work with biologics, it can work with surgery in order to create um, a better environment on the scalp and to stop scarring and fibrosis. But sometimes, you know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like the nail. So sometimes surgeons want to cut you know that's just where they're coming from and the chronic care is not their interest right so um if it's a hair surgeon generally they want to do surgery now I, that being said there are a lot of hair surgeons that are reaching out to me saying wait a minute i need something else and and i'm convinced that it's the home care that's really helping us keep people on the right path that consistent approach and consistent delivery of those mechanisms that i'm talking about that make the difference <clears throat> so so missy how, how are you getting this into other clinics what, what, what are the kind of marketing tactics you've been using great question i I've, I've been participating in webinars with a couple of medical communicate communities of am spas one uh, boston biolife regenerative medicine and then aesthetic everything was another one i participated with in and then the age management uh, age man, man, anti-management conference. Um, now, as you know, not so a these, lot of these them, are the partnerships you were talking yes. about before. Yeah. Uh huh. Now, as you know, a lot of them haven't been assembling this year, so they've moved into webinars and seminars online, and those have actually been very effective for me because I'm able to kind of get into the depth of what I'm offering. So it's generally been like a 45-minute uh, presentation where I'll speak about a specific issue, calcification, fibrosis. I'll speak about testosterone and estrogen imbalances and more on the kind of pathophysiological pathophysi side of what's actually happening to the body. So those have been helpful for me and that's B2B, right? Uh, B2C um, is, is a, different, a different animal, but uh, as far as forming those partnerships, it's sort of, I, I've been training doctors as well and you know, one training leads to the next. And I'm getting ready to do training in New Hampshire for five doctors. Um, and that, so that seems to be the path. And now I'm, I'm forming a partnership with a doctor in Dallas and opening a clinic there. And then uh, also with another group, we're gonna be offering more seminars. And in that, in that scenario, the second one, uh, the goal there is to provide these hair 
hair, these uh, med spas and medical clinics or even regenerative medicines, a complete hair restoration, basically business and business plan so that if they want to offer biologics, they can do that. And then they can also offer my treatment as well. If they want to offer lasers, they can do that as well. So that's what I was kind of, I'm referring back now to realizing how I could kind of fold all these other opportunities in. This is how it's kind of come about and in the right time. So we can walk into a medical clinic uh, or doctor's office and say, oh, we've got a kind of a turnkey operation for you when it comes to hair and educate them and spend the time getting them to understand how important it is, you know, obviously how important hair loss is, but also how to build their business model. Because it really goes back to a lot of things we were talking about. And one of the, one of the, the things that when you're actually not specialized enough, it's really hard to know everything that you need to know mm -hmm. about hair in order to do it properly. So actually that's what you're helping them do. Yeah. And the differentiation on that one, I, I, I think I'm pretty clear on that. Um, my training is very intensive and we do not only live uh, hand, you know, hands -on training, but I spend in <clears throat> didactics and, and diving deep into the root causes of the hair loss and, and the main differentiator there is that a lot of trainings, I've had a lot of doctors say, this was one of the most intensive trainings I've like ever had because a lot of companies are selling a device. They'll send a rep out and that rep will show you how to use the device, but they don't really have a full understanding as to why or how it fits in the whole scope of, of the protocol, right? But because I've developed the protocol and done the work, I can explain to you every aspect of it. And I think most doctors, when they understand why it's why the protocol exists the way it is, they always go, ah, oh, this makes sense. And they walk away feeling really educated and enlightened. And that's helpful. <laughs> so Misty, when I hear you talk about all this, I'm like, this is an entire business of its own. So how do you balance, you know, really developing Celestrius with the clinic? Um, you know, they're, they're, it's two full-time businesses. So how do you balance the two? Uh... <laughs> I wish I had the answer. I work a lot. You, you know, I think when you're in the beginning phases, which I still consider the beginning phases, you, you just do what you have to get done. I mean, I will tell you that I'm in Southern California and we're still just now coming out of lockdown. So I've been able to put more energy into the trainings and into the Celestrious B2B. So my focus has not been on much B2C, but because I'm doing the Google ads, I'm still, you know, I still get patients coming in, but, uh, it's, it's not easy. And, and it can be very frustrating because you feel like you're uh, schizophrenic. <laughs> but if I look at my overall goal as a business owner, my, my, my mission and my goal was to treat as many people with hair loss, without surgery, without allopathic drugs that had any side effects in the healthiest way possible and have them look and feel better about themselves. That's enough to drive me every day. And get me excited about talking to people about it. And I think that's an absolutely beautiful place to end. You put it so beautifully. Um, and so if people, obviously everyone who listens to this podcast, they're all owners of aesthetic clinics and med spas. If they want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do, what's the best way for them to do that? They can reach me directly by email at info at celustrious that's spelled c-e-l-l-u-s-t-r-i-o-u-s.com or they can reach me on the business line which is area code 213-536-9339 and then at they can go website to yes website is celustrious.com okay so we'll put all of that and of course the link to your clinic as well in the show notes so everyone anyone who's listening who wants the details um, can just can just pop down to the show notes and they'll all be there. Um, Misty, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the on the show today, and really, really interesting. So thank you very much, and, and oh, good luck you. with the with, with the with the product. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Miriam. I really enjoyed myself. Great penetrating questions. I appreciate them. Thank you. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for being a great guest. And for everyone else, I will see you on the next episode of How I Scaled My Aesthetic Clinic. I'm Miriam Shaviv of Brainstorm Digital, um, and I will see you on the next episode.